Welcome to Hannibal's Horny Hibachi, a weekly dinner party where we watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. This week we watched Entree, which first aired May 2nd, 2013. I am your host, Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table to introduce the rest of the party. I'm Celeste. I'm new to Hannibal. I am a nerd, I'm an artist, and I love a good story. Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. All right, and this episode introduces us to doctors Abel Gideon and Frederick Chilton, as well as Jack's, Jack Crawford's ill-fated protege, Marion Lass, and Hannibal ends the episode by giving us a tongue lashing. <laughs> so what was everybody's first impression of this episode, like as on the whole? Uh, I, li- I, like, I really liked uh, Will's reenactment for it. It was pretty cool. I get to that. That was scary. (laughs) Well, we'll jump into that then. Okay. So, uh, I just gotta say, this is one of my favorite episodes, and I was really looking forward to getting to this point in the podcast, because I love Eddie Izzard. Like, seriously. I did not know he was in this episode, and so when he shows up at the beginning, I'm like, Eddie Izzard's in this episode. (laughs) So, so very happy, because I've loved him ever since Velvet Goldmine, which I saw when I was like 12. He was awesome, in that movie he did with Uma Thurman that was really bad, uh, Super Ex-Girlfriend. He was so cute in that. I loved it. But it's a terrible movie. And he also yeah. played Chaplin in The Cat's Meow, which is really good. I think Kirsten Dunst is in it. But anyway, yes. Um, back to the show. <laughs> I also want to shout out to Ralph Sparza, who plays Chilton, who becomes my favorite character throughout the show, even though he's probably just as bad as Freddie Lowndes, if not worse. Because mm. um, at least Freddie knows she's a terrible person. Like, Chilton does not know that he's a terrible person. Um, Chilton is what I imagine Hannibal would be if Hannibal didn't get into the cannibalism and was less intelligent. So that's how I feel about Ch- Chilton. So cute, though. Oh, no, I love the actor. So, so more of a bumbling Yeah, uh, bumbling psychopath. guy. Bumbling version of Hannibal. If Hannibal was a comedy, that's who he'd be. <laughs> All right, so back to the top of the podcast of what we talked about. So another needlessly sexy murder nightmare from Will Graham where he reenacts uh, Gideon's murder of the nurse. Mm-hmm. So uh, all the needlessly sexy things are there. He has the parted lips, the sort of quiet swishing you do when you're trying to be quiet because there's people in the next room, his half-open shirt, he's all covered in sweat, and the kink.com setting. Oh, my God, I'm so gross. <laughs> Man, I like I was just watching that and I'm like I'm not into strangling, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh my a kink didn't know you had. <laughs> well, that's what I wrote on here. I recall seeing this for the first time and I was like, "Am I kinky now?" <laughs> I guess it's just because it's uh, Will Graham looking hot and sweaty. Just um, a new kink. Yeah, just like I remember. I, um, Thank you, Hannibal. <laughs> the first time I saw this, I went intentionally looking for that gift sets to see, like, because I knew somebody would have gift the the nurse's point of view of uh, Will Graham to- uh, choking her, and I was like, yeah, this show is making me aware of things I should not. Well, know. freaking Hugh Dancy, man, <laughs> doing that thing with his lips, that purse out thing. Like, sh- yeah. like, like, like he's gonna say shush, but doesn't. He just. And it's like, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Which makes me hope, like, um, like, how did they direct that scene? It's like, okay, you gotta look attractive while you do this, because it's about animalistic urges. So I'm like, 
Must that's how I chilly. Yeah, that's how I direct it. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a direction, but I know what you mean. That's what I do. Okay. That's, that's all. If like, I ever get to like, direct who dad to that, that's what I'll say. Make sure you look sexy when you do this scene. Go. I don't know, needlessly sexy? I don't know. Like, I really love the show for its fan service and that they they realize that Mads and Hugh are really good looking guys and they tend to, well, I guess because the, the creator himself is into the into the how attractive the guys are. I don't know how his feelings about Mads, but I think Hugh he, he is cute, so. Well, I mean, like, uh, rarely is um, Brian Fuller on set for any of those when it's being shot, so I mean, <laughs> well, he can write it into this into the scene, but then it's all left up the to the, the director to bring to light. Um, so everybody has a crush on Hugh Dancy. Then. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think just Hugh Dancy just does everything kind of flawlessly <laughs> by accident. It's probably that model background, but um, yeah. you know, like it's really weird because you're both frightened in that scene because you know someone's freaking dying, and then you're also like, oh my gosh, he's so <laughs> handsome. <laughs> So it's like, uh, yeah, it's very, very confusing feelings going yeah, on Yeah, it's that like scene. at all. It's, it's like that uh, it comes from a later scene, but um, there's a, uh, well, not, without spoiling it, Hannibal gets into a fight later in this, this season. And there's a gif of Mads Mikkelsen looking all like he's about to kick the, the ass of something. And like, there's a shot from, I can't remember from SNL, I think, and it's like, well, Mark Me Down is scared and horny. It's <laughs> like all I think about when I see this show now. It's like, that should be the subtitle. Um, I was going to say, though, with that whole scene uh, with the killing of the nurse, it feels like a homage to Hannibal killing a nurse in Silence of the Lambs. Yes, yes. Uh, well, this uh, the scene, this whole episode is a homage, seems like, to Silence of the Lambs because Gideon is playing a more traditional, a more traditional Hannibal actor, like mm. uh, the type of Anthony Hopkins-y type character. Because like, uh, we don't see ha- Han- or Hannibal, like Mads Hannibal, in prison until. Well, he ends up in prison. That's something, that's, that's something that happens. It's still but, a long ways away. Yeah, though. it's still a long ways away, so we don't get to see him without the people mask on until that until that part. So I guess this is their way of being like, okay, this is the more traditional, the the kind of person you're used to type of Hannibal Lecter. So I like that kind of shadow because it's... Um, I really like that they don't make the serial killers ruthlessly insane, if that makes sense. Um... I like that they don't, they portray them as normal people who just happen to have done really grotesque things. So, like, especially with, um, with Gideon, who is a bit of a tragic character to me. I guess we, I'm just projecting because he's played by Eddie Izzard, but I'm just like, he is, he, he only, he was in prison for one, the murder of his family, right? Mm-hmm. And his and wife seemed, and children, yeah. Yeah, so it seems like the only, uh, crime he committed, uh, was that, like, horrible lapse that he had and I think he probably wouldn't have killed again without what we see later happening which is not in this episode but we'll talk about it later mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I also uh, Chilton mentions that the volume of mail that Gideon receives makes him feel like a secretary um, I haven't done it but many people like to write serial killers uh, either because they're insane themselves or they think that they're the first PhD student that has tried. <laughs> so uh, there's this book called The Last Victim. I don't know if you've read it, JJ, but Mm-mm. it's about this terrible guy who spends the entirety of his undergrad writing various serial killers. 
He writes Dahmer, the Night Stalker, Manson, and Gacy, and he develops a relationship with Gacy. Um, the writer's incredibly arrogant and quite insufferable, but he's, it's really scary to see how quickly he falls into Gacy's trap, because he ends up visiting Gacy in prison. And Sounds it, like Chilton. <laughs> yeah, and he's left alone with Gacy for about half an hour. For some reason, I don't believe this actually happened because it seems too perfect, you know? And mm. he gets like, he gets harassed by Gacy. And I was like, okay, I don't quite believe that, but I could see it happening if, if stuff happened to be, like, if the situation was perfect, it, that would have happened. But I still don't think it happened. Anyway, but it's a good book. Um, also, it's revealed in the book that Man- Charles Manson will reply with letters written on the blank backs of letters he has received from others. So say he was writing JJ, and I sent him a letter, and he would write <laughs> his letter to JJ on the back of my letter, because he was like, it's some, uh, some sort of thing that he does where he shows that he did. It's like, okay, I thought enough to write to you, here's the kind of crap I get, blah, blah, blah. So it's really, it was one of the more fascinating things I read in that book. I was like, I kind of want to do that now, but I think uh, Madsen is in the hospital right now, but I wouldn't write him. <laughs> I'd just be like, hey, I like the Beatles too. Heart uh, emoji or something. <laughs> Draw your own emojis in the letter. It's like, hashtag. And since he hasn't been out of prison since like the 70s, he'd be like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so. But I also heard that if you get a signature from a serial killer, it can get you a lot of money in those certain circles that buy that kind of, kind of crap, um, depending on how rarely they apply. So... Uh, they reply. So, like, since Dahmer never really wrote that many people, his signature is really rare, so you can get a lot of money for it. But, yeah, people buy that stuff. I mm. wouldn't. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of... seems like a haunted object, you know? It's called bad jujube into your life, I think. <laughs> but, anyway, let's <laughs> back to the show, back to the show. But, um... Oh, can I say what was, like, one of my favorite quotes right at the beginning of the show? Yes. When Will... When they're walking up to the... to the, uh... Baltimore State Hospital... And Will says, I always feel nervous going into these places. Jack's like, why is that? Afraid they won't let me out again. So I don't worry, I won't leave you here. Not today. <laughs> and I just smile because I'm like... Yeah. Something mm-hmm. amiss. Oh, but you'll mm-hmm. see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll get there. It's like, um, you know how... Uh, this is how I imagine God feels when, he know, when they know that something's going to come up and they're like, oh, I can see the future right now. Reminds me of Garnet and Steven Universe. Like, she oh, sees yes. everything, come, how it's going to play out. So I'm like, that's how I feel now watching it with Celeste. Now. <laughs> like, you oh, know so much that I do. <laughs> I see so much that can hurt you. I shouldn't have let myself be one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as I said earlier, um, I've seen a lot of references on TV tropes on the wikis that uh, refer to Gideon as the more traditional Hannibal Lecter. Um, I could see it, but um, as I said, like I think he's just a sick man who got taken advantage of by as we'll see mm. later so i think that um because of his background because he only had that one murder or that one murder he murdered his family but i think he wouldn't have gotten to the point he did if he hadn't been manipulated mm. so it's pretty freaky but also we see jack opening up to hannibal about his constant thinking about bella's death yeah that was like so sad uh, the impending loss of Bella also brings up memories of his guilt over his protege and her disappearance, which is one of the cooler scenes in the show. I don't know, like, I see Miriam as this uh, proto-Will. Like, uh, he's not as close to Will as he is to Miriam, but I think that's more out of, like, uh, the daughter-father surrogate relationship between them. But, 
like it's cool to see how often he picks up proteges. Like he makes it sound like he doesn't, but mm. it's still pretty cool that he's um, he's always willing to give his experience to people. Mm. I don't know, but it's uh, let's see. Uh, we see the similarity of Miriam to and Jack to Jack and Will. Miriam is a talented student and is able to deduce that the Ripper is a medical doctor and exotic somehow. Instead of when asked if he's a white male, and I'm like, what does that mean, Mary? <laughs> he's exotic somehow. It's like, well, anything that's not American is exotic. <laughs> it's exotic. Yeah. It's like, he's like um, a rye bread or something. That yes. <laughs> made me laugh when she said that. Um, so Will outright confirms that Gideon isn't the Ripper, since we know who the Ripper is throughout this whole season. We all cheer for our baby finally getting getting with it and <laughs> figuring stuff out. <laughs> um, but one thing I really wanted to mention this episode, the music is really terrifying. Like, I know, JJ, you said in an earlier episode that the music always underlines the subconscious of the show, I guess is a good way of putting it. Hmm. But the ep- the part of the show where they showed the stag in the lecture hall, ew, that mm, was creepy. Yeah. I was like, oh, I felt it in my teeth. It was terrible. I liked how, like, the, the line just before that was... Um... Jack saying, I know when I'm awake. Cue Will, who never knows if he's awake. <laughs> Bring in the raven stag. The metaphor, bring it in. And, and I don't know if it's just me, but um, does that raven stag change sizes? It like, does, it yeah. does. Uh, that I, I think yeah, when, once we started rewatching, I was like, hey, you don't look at all like you do later. Like, in the beginning, I think I... Uh, well, you'll see it's the last. It'll change yeah, throughout the seasons. Mm-hmm. It goes from like like a, like a raven's egg. It has feathers, and then it becomes something more like later on. Yeah, in season two, it, a, it takes on a windigo appearance. Like, yeah, in oh, season two, I don't recall the feathers anymore. So yeah, well, because he um, he, I think uh, it uh, because of what happens in season two, the raven's egg starts taking on the appearance of who the stag actually represents. So mm. I think that's why it starts to look more like a human being. Well, like a human being with like animal properties. So. It's like, oh, the show is, like, full of symbolism, and it just gets to me. I'm like, is that a symbol? Like, <laughs> is that, is that a just, metaphor? It's a metaphor <laughs> for something. Pay attention. <laughs> um, but, okay, so we get to see Freddie Lounge again, who I love. Oh, my girl. I love her. What the heck? Okay, to jump ahead a bit. What the heck was she wearing when she went to visit Gideon? She looked like a cat suit or something? It was like a, um, it looked like a, a cat print, like a, a jaguar print cat suit in red to match her hair and I'm like would you really wear that thing to a prison like if seeing Silence of the Lambs I would be terrified that would happen to me if I went into that hospital but I just like how she didn't care <laughs> she's just like I'm gonna wear what I want like who cares if like these guys are like <laughs> harassing me with their eyes she's, like represents her head for like information <laughs> she's like a cougar yeah <laughs> she's on the prowl but uh, Jack's plan to see if Gideon is not the Ripper is to use tattle crime to smoke out the actual Ripper, which was obviously not a great, good idea. Like, um, I, I love so Jack, pissed. but he lower, this lowers him in my opinion because I'm like, what do you think the Ripper's going to do to prove he's still out there? He's going to kill somebody. And I was like, that is not a sound judgment to make, in my opinion. Like, I don't know, like, if... It's something they do in um in Red Dragon too, like where they're like, Okay, uh Red Dragon's obsessed with Hannibal. Let's say that Hannibal hates him in Tattle and the Tattler. And so it actually makes the Red Dragon kidnap the reporter 
and like torture him and say like, oh, you're not gonna tell lies about me anymore, right? And so, and he tortures him. It's terrible. It's a really gross scene. It's grosser in the book, but well, unfortunately, but, yeah, Jack just keeps gambling, right? Thinking, because yeah. there is the gamble that the Ripper will will make himself known, but will make a mistake at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because in anger, yeah. In anger, impulsive, you know, just to prove like, no, you know, I'm the Ripper, not not Abel Gideon, and blah blah blah. And unfortunately, he totally underestimates who the Ripper is and how smart and calculated mm-hmm. he is, even though he probably was triggered by stuff, as we see through, this, through the episode. <laughs> he didn't react the way he hoped the Ripper would react. So, mm-hmm. um, I adored how happy Freddie looked to be in that meeting room in the FBI. Headquarters. I know, right? She's, She's like, like <laughs> <laughs> She's just shaking everybody's hand. Um, so awkward. <laughs> so she's just like, hello, Jack. Thanks for inviting me here. I know we met the last time you tried to arrest me. <laughs> like, hi, Will. Best friend. <laughs> like, I, I continue to love how she treats Will, like, with, um, not with the, dis- like, I really dislike how Will treats her. Mm. Um, uh, it's probably because I appreciate her, but I think it's, like, the only wrong he can do is his disdain for Freddie, even though I know why he her. Yeah, uh, I can understand why. And uh, if we compare what Freddie in the book did to Will, like uh, during when Hannibal, in the book Red Dragon, Hannibal stabs Will Graham, and Freddie, the char- the male character, breaks into Will's hospital room and takes a picture of him while he's like recovering. So like he's nude, he has a colon, I think he has a colonoscopy bag and all kinds of like he's like in worse for wear. So in that case, you know why she why he hates him. But in this case, I'm like, all she does is just like, I don't know, like she doesn't really pick at him, I guess. I don't know. She, he, I hate that she. He always looks down on her for her job. Well, I'm maybe like, he's just holding a grudge. Cause, yeah. You know, <laughs> she called him a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't know. Maybe like Will's pity like that. Like if you. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just like I'm not letting her go again. And he called. She called me a psycho. Once. <laughs> She yes. wrote on her blog, she hated me. <laughs> yes, well, I agree, yeah. I think it's a mix of, um, yeah, like uh, Freddie Lowndes, you know, wrote all this crap about me, Will Graham. But Freddie Lowndes also writes crap about all these other killers, which he had to do his empathy thing for. Mm-hmm. So oh. I, I always kind of wonder, is like, is that lingering in there? It's like, you spoke bad about me. Wait, that wasn't me. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's, um, I hate how Jack and them imply that her job somehow makes her less than if she was working for, like, the New York Times or something. It bothers me because it's, like, she's probably making wicked bank running title crime if, like, people like Hannah Lecter are reading it and sending her money to her Patreon or something or whatever, like, she gets money off of. Um, I think, like, she probably is making as much money as she would be working for, like, the Chicago Tribune or the Washington Post or something. Like, she seems to really be good at her job. She has, she knows what the readers want. She's not afraid to get what she wants out of it. Um, and so I really appreciate that, even though I still hate that little, as I was like, <laughs> damn it, why do we have to use Freddie? She's such a horrible person. Yeah, I think people don't like to admit how much they actually look at that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're like, uh, well, not, maybe not select. <laughs> you and me are freely talking about how, like, oh yeah, we, we dig true, true crime, that's, that's all right. And that, cause I was looking at, uh, YouTube the other day and watching one of those, you know, top five mysterious kills or blah, blah, blah. blah. And like the freaking hitter count is like one million, you know, da, 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 da. And those are sometimes just people like, oh, what's this? <gasps> Scary. And then off they go. <laughs> well, that podcast, um, My Favorite Murder, started, um, it's uh, hosted by these two women who just talk about, like, a murder that they really 
not enjoy, but <laughs> they talk about a murder. Find interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, and so that like I started read, listening to it from the beginning, and it just jumped in popularity of people just wanting to hear about all these cool stories about the bad things that happen in life. And I think like there's always going to be a market for that because people are always going to feel like, okay, well, thankfully that wasn't me. Like, it's just like a morbid curiosity too, because mm-hmm. even I enjoy like reading those sort of. Like, oh articles. yeah. That's what my sister is too. She's always like, I hate reading this like this scary story, but it's so fascinating to me. <laughs> it's like, did you know that Dahmer ate the, uh, had a head in his fridge? He did. <laughs> so we're like, just <laughs> <laughs> so cute. But it's like, um, like I, my mom got me interested into it because I uh, into true crime and all that good stuff. Like, my mom too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we're some mothers. Because my mom got me into unsolved mysteries, into um, the ID channel, into like America's Most Wanted and stuff like that. Just because it's. Um, I think because like I think it's so popular amongst women like I, and I think the show is popular amongst women just because of that society that women have to live in where we're always on our guard for mm-hmm. the monsters like Hannibal or the monsters like Gideon like half but, of its education on how yeah, to protect yourself yeah you yeah. have like this is how you protect yourself like good uh, bad people go down good people rise and like because uh, it's uh, or I guess that's why Dahmer interests me because he killed men or like Eileen Wernos who killed men um, who else killed men Gacy like, uh, did Gacy kill men G- Gacy killed boys yeah yeah well okay they're boys. not men but you but, know but yeah it's like it's bizarre to me because uh, I wanted to ask you why do you think the show is so popular with with women like because me and JJ privately talked about how this show is primarily like when I went to San Diego Comic Con for this panel all chicks in there well I won't say chicks <laughs> I'm one of those don't call me a chick chicks but uh, <laughs> but it was all girls in there every single girl and there's a bunch of girls dressed as uh, cosplaying as um, as uh, as Will Graham and Hannibal and like as the stag itself and all kinds of cool stuff but yeah like why do you think it's so popular amongst women other than the fact that the two male leads are pretty good looking <laughs> Uh, well, I think, uh, well, you, you named one of the things. I think women are, are already naturally pre- pretty interested in uh, true crime, so there's that. Um, yeah, handsome characters. None of the females are uh, sexualized at all. Everyone's mm, yeah, super intelligent true. and well-spoken, and even when vulgar things happen, it's it's uh, it's dealt with in a different way. And weirdly, like, the murder, like, all the, all the, the, the displays of bodies and stuff... Oh are done so artistically it's just I don't know I'm not going to say just women appreciate that thing but um, a certain certain brand of woman I think appreciates art at least a little bit better I don't know I think it's because you know they wrote the show for both genders and because you know it's not over sexualized at all and it's like it's not for just men it's like for everybody Mm -hmm. and I guess women women just like appreciate that yeah, because I was thinking about, like, I was watching Seven last night, as you do, and Seven's about, <laughs> um, Seven is about, in case you don't know, Seven's about a serial killer who kills people based on the seven deadly sins, and I was watching it, and I'm like, okay, this is obviously meant for a dude, a dude, a watcher, because uh, what, uh, the, the killer for lust, you don't see it. But they go to this brothel and this guy is screaming his head off, like screaming about how they take it to take it off, to take it off. And then you see a woman like splayed there. Well, you don't see her, but you can see that she's dead. And then you find out later that the killer made him have sex with this woman with a bladed dildo. Ooh. And I was like, okay, this is obviously meant for guys. <laughs> or um, like it, just, like I was thinking about Hannibal in that context too. I'm like. 
is it more of a woman killing in the show? It's <laughs> just like, is it like a woman's killing show? Like, is it like Murdoch mysteries? Oh, not Murdoch mysteries, or like Murder She Wrote or something. It's like palliable to women. I don't know. I say this a woman myself, but I don't know. Too. I also think maybe it's because I don't want to stereotype or anything, but maybe it's because also the show is written by a gay man. Yeah. Just oh, that ri- writing in itself, and I think there's also another branch of women who dig uh, reading, uh, you know, guy on guy stories, whatnot. So it's like maybe there's that element too. So, I think it's I partly know. that too, because um, if you ever notice porn for men and porn for women, porn for men is always like your the cameras right and the genitals right, and porn for women is always more about the the lead up to it. Which I don't want to like stereotype women and men, but it always makes me laugh that that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I know what kind of porn so you watch it. Because like, uh, I always see that like that porn advertised for women, right, is always a little bit less, um, I don't want to say painful, but that's the word I'm, uh, that keeps coming into my head because um, guys are, uh, from, what I've, from what I've noticed, guy porn is always about just the, the completion of it and the degree, like the woman is just a doll, right? Whereas in female-centric porn, it's more about like the enjoyment of both of the both parties. And so I was like thinking about that, like Seven to me is like male porn and Hannibal to me is like female porn, if I can describe it as that. So Seven is is male serial killer porn. Porn. Yes. (laughs) Hannibal is female serial killer porn. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that's why I like it because like I was reading, I I got Tom, uh, Red Dragon, which I've read like a million times in my book bag right now that I'm going to read again once I finish the book I'm reading now. And I'm like, well, why do I like Hannibal Lecter? And I'm like, I like Hannibal Lecter because he, he is like uh, Louis in, uh, in Interview with the Vampire. He has a code he lives by where he won't kill a certain type of person. Like, he has no MO, if that makes sense to me. If that makes sense. Like, he'll kill people he finds rude. And usually you can... You mean Lestat or Louis? Oh, I, I'm not sure. Louis has the code, but like... Louis has, well, depends what part in the storyline you pick up Louis. Because early on, yeah, he, he refuses to kill people. Mm-hmm. He just eats rats. <laughs> and then when he does have to kill people, it's a different kind of thing. It's when he's taking care of Claudia. That he only and, kills. Like... And then, yeah, what's the line? The last bit of humanity of him was after he turned someone else into a vampire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. turned uh, But I think you meant to say Lestat. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, the vampires have a code where they don't mm-hmm. kill evil doers. Yeah, that, that, comes, that comes up later in the Vampire Chronicles. But, yeah, Hannibal in the book and the show will only kill people that you can say deserved it. I guess that's what I'm Did saying. his secretary deserve it? I know, that's something I've heard now. <laughs> Everyone's getting up on me now. <laughs> but, like, Hannibal never kills people that you, would, you wouldn't you would want, you wouldn't be spitting in their food, basically, if you were serving them. Like, uh, especially mm. in... Um, in in the show basically where he where he kills largely people who um are terrible people and so you can justify it with like oh yeah he's just like he's being a batman he's just taking out all the scum (laughs) well he's not being batman batman doesn't kill but i just like that he um like i couldn't figure out why i enjoy hannibal as a character i think it's just because he is the um He's, he is a Batman, I guess, in a way. <laughs> He's the dark person. I don't know. Like, I think uh, I think the only reason you, m- you might think that way, uh, if I'm to be so bold, is just because we don't get to really know a lot of the victims that he does kill. Yeah, that's okay. We just see them being rude to him, and, and that's about it. And then he justifies it. them, yeah. For all you know, 
like you said, it might be because one or two of them picked up how different he is, mm-hmm. and then rather than risk it, he's just like. No, they gotta go. I mean, kind of like with Miriam last, she kind of discovered something, and I'm like, well, I better tidy this up. Well, so. right now, it's just like, because I'm trying to figure that out. Why does this show continue to draw me? Like, why? It's not just because, it's not because I, like, live out some fantasy that Hannibal kills people on my bed or anything like that. It's like, why do I enjoy the show? I don't enjoy the murder, but I enjoy the psychology, I guess, of it. The, the idea of, with Marion as the example, okay, she has to go. It's like, well, why do I enjoy that part? Like, it comes up later when, um, I think I brought it up where I was like, we'll, uh, we'll see something, like, where it's implied that he kills somebody. And the, the, my first thought was, okay, we gotta hide the body. <laughs> so that's, like, what has the show done to me? But anyway, like, it seems like a good, um, it seems like a good jumping off point into the list, um, Ooh, the, list. the list that Freddie talked about. <laughs> Freddie talked about, I looked at the list they're talking about this episode. Me the too. Top, and the top ten jobs are, with the most psychopaths are, number one, CEO, number two, lawyer, number three, media, TV, and radio, and I guess that includes film too. Four, <laughs> salesperson, <laughs> five, surgeon, six, journalist, seven, law enforcement, eight, clergy, uh, nine, chef, and ten, civil servant. And I have been or tried to be seven of those <laughs> ten positions. <laughs> so I felt I'm kind just of going to over here. <laughs> but I was like, when I saw um, Civil Servant, which I am right now, I was just like, oh my god, it's true. <laughs> it's happening. But yeah, that was a really fun list to read about. Because I did love how... Uh, uh, um, I was gonna say Celeste. Uh, I like how Freddie was like, "Do you know what's next on the list when after journalists?" And Will is just like, "Law, Law enforcement." enforcement. <laughs> just like quiet and like, "Yeah, you got me, you whore." Just a bunch of psychopaths <laughs> helping each other out. <laughs> I love that line. And her little like smile too. Like, yeah. You know what I found so hilarious about this list too, is CEO makes me think like also like executive director which is in charge of stuff and I thought okay well my dad's been that um lawyer uh not lawyer well my brother tried to be a lawyer uh he lost interest in that pretty quickly but he is a a chef (laughs) or he's on his way to be being one he's got to take the red seal but anyway (laughs) I thought it was funny uh my mom's a nurse I don't know that feels like surgeon and nurse aren't quite the same but it's like she she isn't she is in the medical field and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and my sister was going to be a doctor, which I thought was funny. And then at one brief point, I thought uh, I thought about going into the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were like, "No." <laughs> my mom was harassing me to be a cop, but then that um, that shooting of the the RCMP in Alberta happened. She's like, "I don't want you to be a cop anymore." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, I totally thought I thought it was because uh, my parents thought I wasn't smart enough, but. <laughs> No, then I realized, oh, it's for safety. So we get a scene of Hannibal obsessively reading Tattle Crime on his um, iPad. Um, that scene totally... Let's <laughs> just say tablet. Tablet. Anyway, so his ta- he's reading Tattle Crime on his tablet, and it looks like uh, him reading, him obsessively reading that uh, that that website was me looking up our iTunes scores and stuff last night. I'm just like, oh crap. She's doing that same look. Just like, anger, anger, anger. <laughs> it's like, come on, people, review faster so we can get up the, the charts. But um, it's like, listen to us. Look at me. <laughs> That's like, man, no wonder we all fit on the, the list of psychopaths. <laughs> just like, That's 
in the earth. <laughs> oh, um, speaking of artists, yeah. artists was six on the least likely jobs to have psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I had to put that up. Um, but I just love that. Like, that's the first time we ever see Hannibal pissed about something. Like, because he, not pissed, but he was probably really cross. He's like, what the hell? They're taking my limelight what's going on with this mm-hmm. this can't be because what did she actually say like that Gideon was uh I can't remember the exact word she wrote in the article yeah she like poetically says that Abel Gideon is a Chesapeake Ripper but maybe isn't but he probably be. probably is <laughs> you know like saying it but not <laughs> and so he's like oh my god I gotta do something about this but um so this whole scene with title crime and Hannibal reading it Reminded me of today uh, today's Under the Table true crime bit of the show, mm. where we are going to discuss BTK, who I hate. <laughs> but, um, so we uh, a lot of serial killers are into reading news articles on themselves. Um, as I mentioned in a previous episode, Luca Magnata was actually caught in a cyber cafe googling his own name when Interpol was after him. So yeah, they are, they are a bit of fame wars. Um, one of the biggest fame wars was the BTK killer, Dennis Rader. Uh, Dennis Rader is a total dick. I'm just laughing because you're like, they're fame whores, and I'm like... What are we doing? Run a podcast. I check my social media, like, every single thing, every day. Who's talking about me? Who's looking at me? I do that, too. But, like, as it says here, number three, media, film, TV. Anyway, um, Dennis Rader, total asshole. Uh, when he felt that the newspapers weren't covering his killings enough, he would write the local papers telling them that they should be writing more about him. He also sent them suggestions of what they should call him in the papers. So some of his suggested names were the Wichita Strangler, the Wichita Hangman, the Poetic Strangler, the Asphyxiator, BTK, and the Garot Phantom, which is my favorite. <laughs> Just like, oh my god, he sounds so funny. But BTK was the name that ended up, ended up sticking, and it stood for Bind, Torture, Kill. He sounds like a sandwich. Yeah. I always call him BLT. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he preferred to strangle his victims. Okay, we'll start calling him BLT. For the okay, BLT. Because <laughs> he's a terrible man. Uh, BLT would also take things from the crime scene, <laughs> such as the victim's driver's licenses, and take pictures of the murder, which he would later send to the press. Um, the scariest thing I found about BLT, though, <laughs> the scariest thing about him to me, was that he would break into people's houses in the morning, wait in like a closet or something until later that night then burst out and like kill everybody so like that's the whole reason i start checking my closets every night because i'm terrified of that happening but yeah like it's like it's so scary because like you feel like you're safe in your home and then all of a sudden this weird fat guy jumps out of the closet and tries to strangle you like look him up he's a terrible looking man he's, so he waits there like all day he waits there all day and until oh, the perfect opportunity happens and he kills everybody um so BLT went into a hiatus, and he probably wouldn't have been caught, but his fame horniness uh, jumped out at him again, and he realized that he wa- like the anniversary of the BTK killings came up, and he was like, "Well, no one's talking about me enough. I really need to get more people talking about me." So he started sending mail to the press again, and would leave cereal boxes all over the damn place with messages from him on them. So like it was really sad. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> Like serial killer, serial boxes. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's like the worst pun ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he sent a letter to the cops asking if they could trace him using a floppy disk if he sent it. Floppy disk. 
And of course, uh, the cops lied and said that uh, said they couldn't trace any any information off of it. So they should totally he should totally send one. So dumbass sent a floppy disk with his next message and a bunch of items taken from past crime scenes. So there was photos on that disk, his letter, whatever. So using metadata on the disk, the cops were able to pull a deleted word document from it, and they traced it back to the church where Raider worked, and his name was on it. So they found him that way. But since the cops only had circumstantial evidence connecting Raider to the actual crimes, they couldn't arrest him because they couldn't make it stick. So since the crime scenes had DNA evidence of the killer, the cops got a warrant to get access to Raider's daughter's pap test from when she was in university, and they proved that she was closely related to the person who committed the BTK crimes, BLT crimes. <laughs> Raider was promptly arrested and continues to be an asshole. Um, but speaking of Raider's daughter, Raider's daughter Carrie Rawson was interviewed by the Wichita Eagle and gave a really good interview and wonderful insight into her father's background because they had no idea this was going on. Like, you very rarely get to see the family of the of the killer speak, and so it was really cool just to be able to read her story because I know a lot of people will be like, "Well, how did you know that your dad was out killing people?" And she's like, "She obviously really didn't. He was a good guy to her and her mom and." Like, uh, his mom, uh, her mom immediately divorced him after he got arrested, obviously, but it's, like, if you look up Carrie Rawson on the internet, you can find the article, and it was really interesting, right? You should check into it. It's sort of like Abigail, like, in the first episode. Yeah. Like, she did not expect her dad to be the, be the killer, yeah. And so, like, she actually, um, her dad was actually telling her, like, to be careful of the BLT killer and stuff like that, and her mm -hmm. mom was, like, worried constantly about it, and, like, like, she didn't believe at first that he was, and then she finally started seeing, like, oh, crap, like, when, when this murder happened, Dad was away. When this murder happened, he was out with the Boy Scouts in the woods where the murder happened. And it's, like, like stuff followed coming up. He was out with the Boy Scouts. <laughs> yeah, he was in the Boy Scouts, yeah. It was really bizarre. He actually killed somebody while on a Boy Scout trip. He, like, snuck off in the middle of the night, and, like, he actually killed somebody on his lunch break, too, I think. And I'm, like, a lunch break from work. Oh, this terrible man. I think he's still alive, too. Hope he's not. <laughs> Oh. He's in prison, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, related to the Thomas Harris universe, um, I read on Wikipedia that BLT was the basis for Francis Dollarhide. But BLT was before they caught him, so like his MO of killing families and stuff. So I was really sad when I found that. And I'm like, damn it! My least favorite serial killer. <laughs> It was the basis for my favorite fictional one. But yeah, like, look at, uh, as I said before, last podcast from Left had a really good two-parter on BTK, so have a good look into it. That's really funny. Well, not funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. It's just funny. I thought it was funny how you are saying how you check closets and stuff. I still do that. I do that all the time, especially if I'm sleeping, like, my sister's away for some reason. I'll check the closets. I'll be like, okay, I know no one's coming because I haven't left the house all day, but check. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just double-check anyway. I'll check the door. I'll check the closets. I'll check the bathroom. And, and, like, my husband's always like, why do you always open the curtain in the bathroom? <laughs> He's like, he just doesn't get it. I said, you know what? You, you want to know why? I said, because for once... Once there actually was someone put in there when I went to use, use the bathroom. <laughs> I won't say who, <laughs> but I basically opened up and then I was like, because I was about to do my business and I was like, <laughs> and I just had that feeling, right? And I'm Somebody's like, there, yeah. open it. And he's standing there. I'm like, get the frick out of here, man. <laughs> That's what I always wonder. What would I do if I found someone in the closet? Like, it's creepy. Yeah, you, like, prepared to, like, open the door, but he didn't think ahead, like, what there is. But, and that, too, like, uh, in my old apartment, uh, 
I woke up one night. I was by myself in the apartment. I wake up, and there's somebody on the couch oh asleep. And I was like, did I actually just see that? And then I look again. Yeah, there's a dude on the couch. And for a second, I thought maybe it was, like, my cousin or something. So I, like, like move his hood up a little. I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> so I tried to get him to leave, but he wouldn't leave. Because he, he was, I guess, really passed out drunk or something. Yes. I don't know. So, yeah, I had to call the cops. And, I, and I'm hiding in the bathroom talking to the operator on the thing. And... Oh my god, it's just like, there's usually someone in my house and I don't know what to do. <laughs> she's like, okay, the cops will be there right away. She's like, do you have any pets? And I'm like, not one that could award me. She's like, what do you have? I go, I have a goldfish. <laughs> so we had a weird laugh with each other on the phone. And then, and then the cops bust in and they're, they're like, hey, get up, man. And they flip them over and they flip over my coffee table and I'm just standing there going, oh man, my place is getting fucked up. <laughs> And, of course, they won't pay for it. <laughs> you know what was even weirder? They were, like, they were like getting mad at him, right? Do you know where you are? And he was like, yeah, aren't I at Jen's place? And I was like, I'm like, oh, shit, did I just call the cops on somebody that I know? <laughs> and I don't know. It's like, And then they said, where do you think you are? And he goes, no, I'm at Daphne's place. And I'm like, okay, good. He doesn't know where. <laughs> what it was, he was actually meant to go two floors below in the exact same spot my apartment was. <laughs> And for whatever reason, the couch was in the exact same spot as in that apartment, <laughs> as I found out later with uh, the cop talking to him, and then the cop came and told me, and yeah, it was just... <laughs> so, long story short, um, this is why I always still check doors locked, check the closets, check the couch, <laughs> check the bathroom <laughs> before I go to bed. <laughs> That's why my bed doesn't have any, um, I don't have a bed on a, on a frame, because I don't want anyone to hide under it, because I read a story once about this girl who had her friend sleep over, right? And her friend's sleeping on the floor, and then all of a sudden he's like, um, let's go get food. And she's like, well, no, it's like the middle of the night. Why are we going for food? It's like, well, just go for food. And so they go for food. She's like, uh, when they get outside, she's like, call the cops or someone in your bed. Oh, <laughs> she's like, what is <laughs> I am still living in that eight-year-old, like, terrified of everything thing. So that I still have to check my closet just to make sure there's nobody in there at night. <laughs> but it's just like the, the world of living as a girl, I guess. Unfortunately, yeah, like, I know people make fun of, like, why do you need to do this? Why do you do that? It's like, do you really want the story why I got to do this and that? It's like walking in the doors when you get in the car, like, oh. Every single time. Every, Every single time. As soon yeah. as I got, even went to get gas, as soon as I get out or as soon as I get in, lock, check the back seat. <laughs> always check the back seat because you just, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. And the one day you don't do it, right? Is the one day something we should exactly. do. Exactly. Like, after I drop off my sister, I always make sure she gets inside and she does the same thing for me. Because that one day you don't do it, right? So, each time. Man, living as a girl is like vigilant city. Constant <laughs> vigilance. Let's talk, let's talk about something happy. Okay, happier. How about we talk uh, let's about... Let's talk about murder. Okay. Let's, talk so. about, can, let's talk about Hannibal's dinner. <laughs> oh, oh, you're no. Um, okay, I brought so, the book for you guys. To oh, look at. thank you. So <laughs> Hannibal <laughs> was serving tongues, which the three of us discussed last night on Facebook Messenger. I was grossed out. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, because um, we were at a deli in New York, and um, they have tongue sandwiches, right? Like well, I was making jokes about that earlier, but like I, my dad wanted to try it, and I'm like, I don't know if we want to like test that out because they're kind of expensive, and like, what if it comes like all soaking wet and stuff, and the bread is all moist? Like, do you think you spent them? Like they just cut out the tongue, tongue right before they serve it to you? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like that's 
Simpsons line, hey, you kids haven't touched your tongue sandwiches. But the scene, uh, that scene gave me a new pairing on the show, which I was looking up last night. Hannibal and Chilton. I just love how Hannibal tells Chilton the, the following, your tongue is very feisty. Now kiss. Did I make out? Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> yeah, that looks terrible. Ew. I think it's just the lighting. I think we know that's not real tongue. But, um, Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. she, she says right here, okay, uh, when preparing for the scene in Entree, I didn't want Caroline, Rawl, nor Mads to endure chewing on endless resets of cold, rubbery lamb tongues that the two pages of scripted dialogue would require. In any case, lamb tongues are not really a food stylist delight. They look like giant mauve larvae. So to get the look of plump children's tongues that I wanted, I shaped each one individually out of bulgur mixture that I tinted with pink food coloring then cooked in the steamer. Its nubby texture mimicked exactly the palpable-covered surface of a tongue. The mixture I used to make the tongues is a dough used to make a wonderful Lebanese dumpling called kibbe. I didn't use a filling in the tongues for the shoot in order to simplify resetting. But here I have included the meat filling of traditional kibbe, and then follows a recipe. Is it beef tongue or lamb tongue? In, hmm? that, in that recipe, is it beef tongue or lamb tongue? One pound ground lean lamb or beef. So either or, beef whatever or. your preference. So if you want to kill a child, <laughs> <laughs> you want plump children tongues. Oh, but but uh, yeah, in the show, Hannibal claims that it is lamb tongue, inspired by Augustus. Uh, uh, I can't say <laughs> French. Auguste Escoffier. We are having long tang tang young un papillot papillot served with a sauce <laughs> of duxel and oyster mushrooms. <laughs> Mass has got a better grasp of French than I do. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that, um, does he tell them beforehand what he's going to make for them? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it's like a, su- it's a surprise. <laughs> and, and that comes up again later in the show, like, fair the season. I think Will asks him what's for dinner. And Hannibal says, never ask. Spoils a surprise. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's his philosophy with every dinner. I love your Mads impression is Hannibal. <laughs> Just like all airy. It's like you would do a sta- like you would stand up straighter when you do it. It's like <laughs> Well, I'm trying to be masked being Hannibal. And that's like that's my man voice. With a bit of a whisper and a Well he does like whispery, so it's kind of like Hello. <laughs> it's gonna kill you later. <laughs> I have room in my freezer for your body. So um back, the one thing that really freaked me out of this episode, other than the raven the one stag thing. and the Well, okay, other than the three things that freaked me out of this episode. The raven stag in the lecture hall, the tongues, and uh the ripper breaking into Jack's house. And so uh the ripper is really rude in this scene. <laughs> like, cause he uh he places Miriam's head down on Bella's side of the bed and leaves her hair there, and I was like, oh my god. And then he leaves that message for Jack that says, what do you see? Which was the last thing he asked Miriam when he sees her. And I was just like, oh, oh, stone cold Steve Austin. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was going to comment on that at the at the end of the show, when, at the end of the episode. And what, I wrote a note here. Hannibal gets the rare chance to play with his with his victims before, during, and after the trauma he inflicts. Because he's like... Tell me about Miriam Lass. And it's like, you then he, fuck her. Then he reminisces about killing her. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, because he basically did all this to Jack. He knows what happened, and still, he's like, 
tell me about it. Tell me, how did that feel when I fucked you over? <laughs> you know, another question: Does he get off sexually on that, or is it just like him getting one over on them? Again, I think it's a power thing. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. sexual, but he's probably definitely getting a, a a different kind of high off of it. Like, it's like. <laughs> well, it's re-traumatizing it's like something. Amused yeah. by. His mm-hmm. with this. <laughs> like you have no idea that it's me doing all of this playing with the puppet strings it's like sort of like a prank in a way it's like a dead <laughs> prank like <laughs> worst freaking prank <laughs> this is Hannibal we're talking about it's Hannibal off the back <laughs> uh, just a prank bro yeah. <laughs> just high five he's got Miriam's hand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> high five <laughs> of the episode is obviously what happened to Miriam, um, which is one of the scarier moments of the show. Four scariest thing to me. Uh, ha- that whole scene of co- her looking down at the pictures that he's drawn and you see him quietly descending the, the library ladder in the background like some sort of like animal. Like he's just like, he's not even, like the way he moves freaks me out. And um, so he sneaks up behind her and grabs her and like chokes her out basically. And, oh my god, it's the freakiest thing ever. Right? It, it, it comes up again in season two where he does something similar, but, oh my god, the way when he totally lets go of the humanity and just, okay, full killer mode, that's when he's the most terrifying. I'm like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't you know. found it sexy, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> just, just seeing him in his sock feet, man, I was like, <laughs> Like, like. It's weird, like, like, but no, like you said, he turns off human and goes straight into killer mode, and it's just, it's so, and because it's a memory, it's a personal moment, it's so intimate, you know, and then mm. it's just, it's bizarrely, like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> element bizarrely, like, because at, t- at the same time, you are still, like, frightened, because, like, when they do close up of Mass's face while he's, like, he's like, while he's got her, he, like, she's grabbing at his head, but he's just all stone-faced and well, calm, and she right? Pulls his hair too yeah, at like point. yeah. Like it's like I said it's it's frightening fright it's frightening but at the same time bizarrely <laughs> intimate and it's just I'm like oh my. So it's another one of those scenes at the beginning where uh Hugh Dancy killed the nurse and it was way too Almost sexy. the exact same thing. Yeah, it's just he he's accidentally sexy. <laughs> He's supposed to be, fri- but to be fair, this is my third or fourth time watching that episode, so a you lot of the, the it, shock yeah. value is gone, so <laughs> now I'm just enjoying everything else, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but, okay, uh, random aside, that drawing that Miriam sees of Hannibal's... You got man, it, don't you? I got it at my house, <laughs> so check it out the next time you're visiting. It's hanging up next to my front door. I got it at San Diego Comic-Con. Cute story. Hugh Dancy was telling everybody about uh, what the pro- what the gift was from being at the panel that you get. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's this drawing. I don't know. Like, And everybody was screaming at him because he couldn't remember where uh, where you need to pick it up. So then, like, room 12. He's like, okay, you guys obviously know. <laughs> so, he, so they show us this beautiful, um, this beautiful drawing signed by Hannibal Lecter. And it's the exact copy of the one on the show, right? And the, I, I don't know if I still kept it, but it had this beautiful seal on it that said Hannibal on it. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. But anyway, yeah, like, I, the second I got home, I hung it up. It was gorgeous. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. You should post that on our Twitter. Oh, yeah, I will. Take I'll a picture of your wall with it. Why like, I <laughs> well, because it's, like, it's not obvious, because it's, like, it's, like, a... Yeah, she kind of has it like along like other stuff, so it's kind of actually subtle. <laughs> Unless you actually stand and look at what's on her wall. So you're just like, oh. Okay. I always notice your Milan poster every time I go there. <laughs> <laughs> but that Milan one's really good. <laughs> 
All right, so we've come to the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you guys, what is the favorite? Uh, what is your favorite thing about this episode? Uh, probably the story of um, of Marianne, mm-hmm. like because you get to see her like being introduced in the beginning, and then you kind of like follow her story up to her death, which is really sad. But I know I kind of like the flashbacks a bit, like throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. I just find it like fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's just like such a good story. Like I love Anna Kamsi, Kamsi, Kamsi. I can't pronounce it. She was in My Girl anyway, but <laughs> she was like really good. <gasps> is yeah, that that's her? her? Yeah, that's Beta. That's that's who the actress is. Like, look it up later when you get home. Oh my home. god! Yeah, that's her! That's why I was really happy to see her. I didn't even know that was her! <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, like, what was your favorite thing this episode? And don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say the, don't killing. Don't say the killing? You can say Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Did I write it in my notes what my favorite thing was? I'm just teasing you. I know. Um... Well, we all know I love Hannibal. This is weird. Uh, but, you know, actually, come to think of it, it's probably <laughs> seeing his sto- his sock feet was actually pretty awesome. <laughs> but the other thing I say is the psychopath list. Yes. I thought that was very mm-hmm. fascinating. I think it's one of those things that, again, unless you're into the true crime thing you don't really and, or about reading it. about uh, the psychology of it and all that, you, won't, you wouldn't necessarily know the list or pay <laughs> attention to it. Um, I like that. I like that whole discussion. We're just a bunch of psychopaths helping each other out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, my favorite thing this episode was um, finally getting to see the criminally insane hospital, which plays a bigger role in Silence of the Lambs. Um, I really like that they keep the way the jails look in Silence of the Lambs pretty similar. Like, it's not as fortressy, but it's still pretty cool. Like, I really like that you see a lot of people in there. Like, it's not just, like, ha- uh, it's not just Gideon being kept by himself. So I really love that. But the, just the, the shout-outs to Silence of the Lambs this episode just made me smile. I actually noticed that the cells look a little different when until the end of the season. I was like, why? Are we in a different part? Or I don't know. But yeah, they look different, so. <laughs> anyway. But what's anyway. your least favorite thing this episode? Hmm. Hannibal because he's crazy <laughs> and also like the gore <laughs> but I tell people I do like um, I'm doing a podcast of Hannibal which is you know it's supposed to be like a gory thing they don't believe me because <laughs> I'm such a baby of gory things and I, that, yeah I definitely like came up in the beginning of the episode you know <laughs> like the like Bill's like in inter- like when he they killed that nurse. Killed the nurse. And the eyes. Oh god, uh, it was cringing so bad at the pause. <laughs> I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta keep going. I gotta get the. We're like, just getting for started. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, just and just like all the murder scenes too. It's like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. How about you, JJ? Uh, it's you know I and for once I'm gonna have to say my my favorite thing and least favorite thing was probably Hannibal. This is the th- these are the little reminders why. He's just not a good guy, you know. He's he's a goddamn motherfucker, you know. <laughs> he left the hand for them to find. Yeah, <laughs> so like, like he's just a goddamn asshole. <laughs> like the whole thing he does to Jack, even though I don't really like Jack, nobody deserves that, you know. And it was just such crazy manipulation that he does through this whole episode just for his own I'm curiosity and whims. He kept that hand for two years. Do you think he may have planned this? Like, I think he did eventually. Yeah. Just with the hair and like the hand and the recording. Do you think he'll he plan to like mess with Jack in the future? Possibly, but we can't say anything without spoiling anything. So yeah, something <laughs> it'll come up. You'll find out. Yeah, and there's actually more behind that, but yeah, it's just. Uh, 
Whenever you watch the intros where they're like, last time on Hannibal, and you see somebody that you haven't seen for a while, you know something's going to happen. So it's like, oh, why are they mentioning the same from season one? No. So, but it's like a, another one of those bizarre things why I like freaking love Hannibal is because he's so freaking intelligent. He's so crafty. And he does, he takes, and you know he takes all the time in the world to set up all this stuff. So it's like, again, you love him, but you hate him. So. Yeah, that's one of my least favorite things this episode, too. Mostly just because of that, where... Okay, my least favorite thing, we didn't get to see enough Gideon. Which will come up later, because Gideon has a few more episodes down the road. Mm. But I'm like, damn it, I want to see more Eddie Izzard. <laughs> like, he's so rarely in things that I can like without um, without uh, taking the piss out of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's so rarely in good things. <laughs> Let him be in good things now. <laughs> but uh, I just love that guy. Like, I saw his show when he was in Winnipeg last time. So funny. And I just love that he, um, he's like a transvestite, right? He doesn't, he wears clothes and like he always, people are always implying that he's wearing his wife's dresses and he's like, no, they're mine. I bought them for myself. Like he's not gay, uh, but he likes to wear women's clothing. So, but I'm always like looking at his Twitter and he's always dressed so fabulously. I'm like, oh, cause he looks cool with like suits and then he's wearing a dress at the women's march and stuff. I'm like, the actor? The actor Eddie Izzard, yeah. Really? Yeah, he's really cool in real life. Like, he, he actually ran a marathon uh, for charity without ever having run a marathon before, so he was learning as he went. And it was like, <laughs> of course it went as badly as you'd imagine, but he finished it. <laughs> so, That's but, good. Really cool stuff. But, okay, so where can we find you guys on social media? Oh, you can find me on Instagram and Tumblr at satuma, S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, Instagram, no, Snapchat, Tumblr, Twitter as JJ Neeps. You can find me on Instagram as JJ Neep and Films. And yeah, if you just Google JJ, you know, you'll find me. <laughs> JJ, just that. <laughs> okay, no. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. That makes no sense. Anyway, JJ Neeps is what I meant to yeah. say. <laughs> uh, you can find me, Sonia, at honey, ch- honey underscore child on Tumblr and Twitter. Um, you can also email us at the podcast at uh, Hannibal's Hibachi at gmail.com. We're also at, on Twitter, hhibachi. Uh, we update uh, funny stories on there. We give uh, previews into the, what the next episode is going to be about. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, I, I just love running that thing because I like cracking jokes and trying to have harass Brian Fuller to listen. I'm like, I noticed you always oh, tag him in each one. Like, so, I want to harass the guy who's doing um, Death Stranding because he's obsessed with Mads, and I think he would really be interested in You should tag, what's his name? Uh, Hideo, I can't remember his name offhand. No, um. Scott Thompson? T- no, um. Hugh Dancy? No, the guy you just <laughs> fussing about in a marathon. Uh, Eddie Zerd. Yeah. Oh my you should God, tag him for this yeah. ep- for this episode. Uh, if he's listening to this, I loved your show in Winnipeg. It was really good. Please come back. Be in a movie I direct, please. Anyway, but I just wanted to say to uh, like us and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, yeah, like we really would love to get more listeners. So let it, people know uh, if you're really enjoying this podcast. Uh, shout out to Roratorio on Twitter, my friend Kira, who did the theme song for this podcast she's also one of our biggest fans i think she's the only one that listens <laughs> weekly <laughs> to every single episode Aww. so shout out to her she is very she is one of the biggest supports of this podcast in the initial stages thank you yeah she's awesome 
Uh, but I also wanted to say, um, I like. I wanted to thank you guys, Aww. JJ and Celeste, Aww. for this little bit of sunshine every week. Uh, <laughs> since we always have projects that are always on the back burner or like take forever to complete, it's always nice to be able to come and do this podcast and have it be done every week. So it makes yeah. me feel good to have like something good come out every week that I can look forward to. So thank you both. Like, yeah, we're, no yeah, we're halfway through season one, so it's something like Mondays, too. <laughs> yeah, this makes, makes you look forward to Monday. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah! <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, uh, we will see you next week. Bye! Bye-bye! Bye.